Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. So we're going to start out right away. I wanted to talk about What If because it's going to be dropping on August 11th on Disney+. And we got a trailer a little bit ago, which uh, did you guys see the trailer? I saw it at the time. I did. Yeah. They kind of dropped a few extra things that we hadn't seen, just kind of blew out some stuff that they had already teased in an earlier trailer. But looks pretty interesting to me. So I wanted to talk about the comic book history of What If. What If was one of my favorite comics when I was a kid. I would grab it whenever I saw it. It was the day of the spinner rack, so you never knew what you were going to get because I would always get mine at the Safeway spinner rack in uh, Coos Bay, Oregon. And then, you know, you would get like probably 20 choices and I feel like they were often like 10 Marvel, maybe like 8 DC and like 2 image things. I figured 16 of them were different Batman comics. (laughs) No, that that would happen later. (laughs) There was definitely Batman comics there. I don't think I really grabbed Batman that much when I was a kid. I I was a Marvel kid for sure. It always seemed like there was always like the Mar... There was a Marvel, there was some DC, and then there was like a couple like... There was always the random ones like an Alien versus Predator or something. Right, and that was Dark Horse so that would have been like from the DC wing as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... It really just depended from Spinarak to spinner rack yeah. because also they had control over what ones that they brought in too. And then sometimes they would have ones that they would have in the back and they just wouldn't put them out until a certain title sold. Yeah. Because you know? our spinner rack was like it stayed up until it fucking sold, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah, was and that was, it was. Mine was actually Topper's which is where there's a Montessori school or something there now next to the Tiny's Gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It used to be like a little convenience store way back in the day. I would go to Cosmic Comics on 6th Avenue, which is no longer there. And I would not buy comics, but I would get yelled at often for sitting there reading them like it was a library. (laughs) 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 But Peggy was a big fat lady and she – Half the time she wouldn't – she's not going to get out of her chair to stop you. No. (laughs) (laughs) She was older. (laughs) She's a sweet lady. I also bought comics from Peggy from like eighth grade forward. My mom was always suspicious of Peggy because I played Magic the gathering and that game is kind of a scam for little kids because you buy randomized booster packs of cards and you know it's crack it's gambling yeah it's gambling and uh we all know those of us with kids know what it's like dealing with children and microtransactions yeah on (laughs) on apps and games and this was like an early form of that basically absolutely yeah peggy boxes i I always appreciated peggy because she knew i read older spider-mans like it was a very specific thing i came in there for i would just buy stacks of old spider-mans because i didn't want to buy the new ones because they were too expensive and i could get four times the amount of old ones and i was never current on anything in those years so i would just like buy like 20 spider-man comics at a time and she would just say hey spider-man's right there like as soon as i walked in hey quick question yeah whenever you got a new spider-man issue would you ever be like but does this move the marvel universe forward (laughs) oh every time dude and then i would like does this enhance the spider-man story and then i would talk to an empty wall about 17 easter eggs that you had to see in the new spider-man issue (laughs) (laughs) 
please like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, I would just say that, and then the wall would say nothing to me because it was a, it was <laughs> it a, wall. a wall. Yeah, but I'd tell it to comment. You know, make sure you leave your comments below. Do you, are there any uh, what if stories that are like still stick with you, like your favorite what if story? Yeah, there's one in particular because I had this issue for I still have it actually uh, in like a box of comics I just never for whatever reason lost, and it's what if. J. Jonah Jameson adopted Spider-Man. I don't think it's the best story by any stretch. It's a good premise, though. Yeah, it was a fun premise. It ended pretty insanely. Like, basically what happened in it was Aunt May was with Ben when he got shot, and so she got shot as well. And so J. Jonah Jameson, it's like a story in the paper, and he sees it and sees that he won some science grant or something, and so he winds up adopting him and looks at him as a son, and then he's still feeling the guilt because he didn't stop the cop so he starts doing the spider-man thing and j jonah jameson of course is rallying against him and then at one point towards the end he hires and this is still in the within the continuity somewhat but he hires the scorpion right like he had hired somebody to make these spider slayer outfits and that was what created the scorpion and it almost killed peter parker and unmasks him and then he sees that it's peter that was unmasked when he has him bring him back to him and so he turns on the scorpion and then they fight crime together like J. Jonah Jameson has Sylvester Smith make him a fucking suit to fight crime it's in. like a scorpion suit? No, it's like a it's a spider knockoff suit. And so they do it not covering their secret identities. They fight crime together. Like he just stops Sully Paper. It was a pretty wacky one too, yeah. but I remember it just because like because it ended so crazily and I've had that comic forever. Uatu, who's the character, the watcher, who they used to use for most of the what ifs and later issues. There was stuff that happened with the character where they kind of took him off the board. And so they stopped having him host What If for a while. But uh, he was first seen in the Fantastic Four issue 13. The Watchers are basically the oldest and most advanced species. And the reason why they record everything and watch it is because they believed in sharing knowledge. And they went to this one planet and shared nuclear technology with them and then came back later and found that that planet had just completely destroyed itself so they decided to take themselves off the table but they record everything because they believe that there's a species that's going to come in at the end of the universe and so they're going to hand over all their knowledge of what happened in that universe (laughs) (laughs) out of all the millions of trillions of species in the universe humans are the chosen it's mephisto It's not Mephisto. So that means Mephisto's a human. (laughs) But Mephisto will come in later. So as I said, he would he would look at alternate timelines for each issue and they would pick a key moment and then say, what if this had happened instead? Which is clearly where this show is going. But it was really fun in the comics. I loved it so much. Uh, the very first issue was what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? Uh, it, exa- it examined the moment when Spider-Man was offered a position with them and he was really broke and he decided not to. And I don't remember the reason. It was probably a bad reason because that would seem like a like, really good job for right? him. Yeah. And he would join them later. I was going to say he did join them eventually in the actual continuity. (laughs) Yes, which we'll touch on something we'll talk about in a little bit. But in this particular story, what was always interesting about What If is like you started out with the Spider-Man question, right? 
But the compelling thing is not what happens with Spider-Man in the story because Spider-Man's with them. And because at the time, I mean, you're talking like the 70s when these comics were coming out. Sue Storm was not a super power character like she is now. Like they they kind of retconned her to be able to put force fields in people's brains and just immediately right. kill them. To actually like, like generate force fields. But because Spider-Man joined the team, she had less to do. And so she started just monitoring things and staying back. And eventually she winds up having an affair with Namor, who, if you remember in Fantastic Force, like lore, he was always trying to to get with Sue Storm. Well, he succeeds and she winds up leaving the Fantastic Four and joining him. And then they basically repurpose her body so that she can breathe underwater, but she can't go back to the surface. So, like, that's how it ends. It just, like, it it absolutely rips apart the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man feels guilty. You know, that's, which I would say they absolutely get to the core of Spider-Man. Spider-Man right there because that's always, always guilty. Yeah, that's, yeah. that is a Spider-Man core right there is like you can't have him feeling good for too long. You there's know, a love, there's a love triangle going on and Spider-Man feels guilty. It's interesting <laughs> that Marvel What If isn't like technically canon because with a multiverse, it all could be like there are series that are canon in the comics that are the same exact concept. Mm-hmm. Like the one and I that's what I am more familiar with than What If. Because I read basically the entire run of a thing called Marvel's Exiles. And it is a weird mix of X-Men from multiple different multiverses. So there's like one chick that is the daughter of the guy that looks like a demon at Banff. Mephisto? No. Nightcrawler. (laughs) Nightcrawler. This chick is Nightcrawler's daughter, and she looks like Nightcrawler. She has the same uh, skin and everything, and her powers are slightly different. I think she can possess people or something. And then uh, there's a guy named Mimic, who's an X-Men from some era. He can basically touch another mutant and take on their power, but he can only hold like seven at a time. So and he's he like a limited like, rogue. Yeah. He has like, seriously, he has Angel's wings and Colossus's skin and Wolverine's claws and like, and Cyclops's laser eyes. But then like, if he touches another mutant, he it's loses like, one of those. lose the wings, he but loses now you one can... of those those powers, power but then he tongue. gains the new power. Yeah, Can he yeah. pick the power he loses, or is yes. it just like old? He's out? way overpowered. He's from the 90s era where yeah, everything was sense. just super OP. Probably dri- drawn so by Rob Liefeld, a, and they never show his feet. He starts out as a really <laughs> lame character in Exiles, but then at one point he gets abandoned on a planet that has been overrun by the... They're like the, the aliens. Scrolls? No. no, they're like the alien. They're like the xenomorphs of the Marvel Universe. What are those called? I don't know. Uh, uh, brood? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he claimed when he, he gets abandoned on this thing and then they rescue him and he's like, I was here for 10 days. And then it turns out he was there for like 18 months and he has a freaking brood queen in larva in his body that he didn't tell them about and he winds up getting possessed by the brood queen and he turns all evil at one point and hyperion shows up and he's like the real he even more than century hyperion is more like superman and because he's part of the squadron supreme which i think started out on a different comic book line but eventually got folded into marvel after a long time anyways it's sweet like they they do the maestro which is like a old man version of hulk that like becomes 
overlord of Earth in one timeline. Yeah. There's another timeline where Dr. Doom, he's basically taken over everything. He's married to Sue Storm. He wears a modified version of the Iron Man suit. So it's like Dr. Doom and Iron Man in one suit and it looks fucking sick. And you think that it's Dr. Doom. Turns out it's fucking Tony Stark who's like ruling the whole world and set up this whole thing and like right before they all teleport out of that dimension like sue storm fucking straight up murders his ass and like there were some really good storylines and it was the what if scenario every single episode was what if there's one where freaking the thing is blackbeard the pirate dude he's (laughs) fucking pirate thing sailing the seven seas and so that's basically what what if is yeah it's just alternate so timelines and it was just a way of couching it so that they could tell this story right yeah. like they'd have uatu as the narrator and like you were saying the initial premise is always kind of intriguing but it's the ripple effect that is the truly enthralling part of the story is yep. like seeing how one thing going a different way all the different effects that that has and all the crazy changes that you're like, oh, wow, that went in a completely yeah, different direction. Yeah, and they, they would even do things where they would say, so since he did this, this person didn't do that. And they would yep. literally just spend a panel it's or like two dominoes falling. Yeah. 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 And so they wouldn't like dwell on it too long, but it would just be a little little tangent like we just went yep. off on, right? Like in comic book form. And I think that's why it was so much fun was just so like much fun. comprehending all of this stuff that could happen. Uh, eventually, Uatu was taken out because in the comics, he had had this storyline where he get murdered. Uh, that happens later. But uh, at, at the first time when they remove him from what if was because he had he helped. Yeah, he interfered. He had helped Earth because he was trying to stop the Silver Surfer from like Did finding he give Earth them and the letting Galactus nullifier or something. He like helped. Yeah, them get I think it. so. Yeah, which is what they used to sort of threaten Galactus away. Like, we'll fucking use this ultimate nullifier. Exactly. Yeah, because he had come to side with the humans and, and cared about humanity, and so he didn't want to see it wiped out by Galactus. I think. And that so story... then he goes on trial, and Reed Richards basically represents him and. <laughs> trial and they find that there's 400 different incidents where Uatu had helped out humanity. So they did the humanity on trial with Q. They yeah, yeah but Star they did Trek, it, they did Uatu the Star on Trek trial. Star Trek Q trial only it's the Owatu trial. For looking out for humanity, yeah. Stargate has also done that. In yeah, an episode. It's, it's an old trope for <laughs> it's sure. A, it's classic. Eventually, you've got to put these people on trial for their crimes against the universe. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll be like, but we did it with good intentions. They're like, oh, shucks. All right. You're all right by my book. Yeah. And at some point, Uwatu gets reinstated. And then, yes, he gets removed again when they do limited series for what ifs. Because, like, this was consistent for about seven years. And then it went away. It came back in the 90s very hard. And then it went away. And then it's always come back in limited runs after that. But they don't have Uatu in the limited runs anymore because he got killed, which is such a fucking convoluted story. Yeah. I actually just read it to try and, like, talk about it. And I was like, this is so fucking nuts. I don't even want to talk about it. But basically, Nick Fury becomes Uatu at a certain point. It's it's fucking weird. Well, and then, of course, and we already did the... We've covered our convoluted storylines with our Kang discussion. Yeah. 
Well, last episode, yes. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to do those two with that two weeks in a row. So I do want to talk <laughs> about some of the stories that they've had up. And I don't know anything that happens in these stories. I just, just I, the I premise. think they're This inter- is just the premise. Yeah, the titles of these are always interesting. So the first one I pulled, what if Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, fought on the side of Fu Manchu? Which I find interesting because that was his his enemy. It, it's not the guy the guy with ten rings. Uh, Mandarin. Yeah, the, the Mandarin's it, his father. It was Fu Manchu in the Marvel comics at that point. They had bought out that property, but like so, he was supposed is it to be the his original son. Fu Manchu from? Uh, isn't Fu Manchu from? Oh no, that's Ming he the was, Merciless. I was thinking of Flash Gordon, but that's Ming the Merciless. But he was from the same era of fiction. Yeah, yeah, right. Like he was in a, a lot of novels and things like that. Yeah, and then like Marvel bought out the rights to it in the 70s and made back when racism was just in your fucking face (laughs) i mean more than it is now yeah a little bit more a little bit just a little bit more yeah a little bit more ardent uh another one here is what if dr doom had become a hero which i find that idea hilarious (laughs) and when you were talking about the iron man thing that seems like a good comp right like he's already halfway there like he he just looks like iron man with a cape basically yeah. Yeah. But when you see the armor, like the two armors combined, it looks really fucking cool. I yeah. gotta say, it was a good design. Would you say it's metal? It's. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Or is it vibranium? It's nano <laughs> bots. So there was a storyline in Marvel for a while where Captain America ran for president. And so they had what one that said, what if Captain America had been elected president? Okay. Which I think is interesting. And then DC actually ran with that with Lex Luthor at a certain point. Yep. And Lex, Lex Luthor, Luthor was, was president, president for four years. For a while, yeah. Yeah. What if Wolverine had killed the Hulk? So that was based off of a famous story. Meeting. Yeah, and the Hulk literally ripped Wolverine in half at the end of it and just left him. And then, of course, Wolverine regrows <sighs> into two Wolverines. I don't know. Oh, so was it <laughs> it's two like Wolverines? an earthworm. Or, yeah. <laughs> or it's just like the dominant half. Like, he's got 51% that that half lives. Yeah, the bottom half sprung out of the other bottom half and the top half sprung out of the other top half. <sighs> so there's a, a, a forearm. Double torso with no legs. Yeah, no legs. Cronenberg <laughs> and then there's just four. And then there's just four <laughs> legs that are completely Combined at the waist. And two dicks. What if if David Cronenberg had written Marvel Comics? Let's just swap them. Stan Lee, you go do the fly. (laughs) Come, Cronenberg. The fly basically becomes like Spider-Man, right? Oh, my God. What if David Cronenberg had created Spider-Man? It would be so much grosser. (laughs) Dude, he would be vomiting acid spit on everybody's face. He'd go around biting people. He would just be wrapping. He would be wrapping up Doctor Octopus and webbing, and then just like eating him, and then laying a a sack of eggs out that become like thousands of other Spider Men that do the same shit. Spider Man's got a medicine cabinet in his (coughs) bathroom that's just full of bits of his body. (laughs) Museum of Peter Parker. I was a spider who dreamed he was a man (laughs) and loved it. But now the dream is over and the spider is awake. Well, this is not that far off of this one. What if Spider-Man had kept his six arms? This is always one of my favorite classic Spider-Man stories. Spider-Man takes a serum that he creates to get rid of his powers because he feels like it's ruining his life. And then he grows an extra two sets of arms. Man, Spider-Man quits being Spider-Man almost as often as he (laughs) stops being married. So like once, I don't know. 
He quit being Spider-Man at least twice. There's like a very iconic comic book cover of like an alleyway with a dumpster and the Spider-Man suits in the dumpster. Like he's thrown it away. I remember that pretty vividly. I mean, he did that at least one or two of the actual Spider-Man movies. Second one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And they literally had the cover (laughs) for that issue. Like they they framed it where he throws the suit in the garbage can in the alley. He's got like performance issues. Based on insecurity. And that's an advantage you get from bi- biological web shooters that you don't get from mechanical web shooters. Just yeah, saying. True, true. Uh, so another one is what if Daredevil had killed Kingpin? That one's pretty interesting because I did read that one and his dad was throwing a fight for Kingpin, right? And mm-hmm. he's about to kill him. And then like Matt Murdock had already gotten his powers. And so he like stops it. And then he basically does a sweetheart deal. Like you work for me and I'll let your dad live. And so he becomes a leg breaker for Kingpin. And then eventually he wipes out the Kingpin and takes over as the organized. Yeah. Crime. See, that would be the interesting because that's setting up a total power void. And it's all in like a huge and it's a nice reversal of the character as well. And it really goes with it because it's what if they can do anything they want yeah. because they don't have to worry about going forward. So they're like, yeah, we're just going to go with Daredevil's a villain now. Like the, at no <laughs> point do they have him reckoning with the morality of it. Right. So it, it's kind of a fun story to read. There's one, what if Venom had possessed the Punisher? Not oh, good yeah. things, I'm sure. I like that. <laughs> That's an, that one is interesting. Food for thought. Yeah. You, you end up with Venom. carnage. Jesus. Yeah. Could you just imagine how many people he would murder after that? And then the influence of the symbiote, he'd probably go after quite a few good guys as well, I would yeah. think. Uh, what if Dr. Doom became Sorcerer Supreme? <laughs> That one's also interesting to me because Dr. Doom, he is a magician yep. and uh, he's probably got a chip on his shoulder about, you know, about uh, Dr. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff for sure. <laughs> that dude does not about take a everything. slight well. <laughs> and then uh, so one particular weird issue has four of them in there. So it's like, what if Fantastic Four had crashed in the land of Oz after gaining their powers? Uh, what if Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive sheep? <laughs> What if Wolverine was a wimp? And See, then, yeah, these ones are just silly. Yeah, it was a silly issue. I yeah. was gathering. And then the final one is, what if Xavier was in charge of a sales executive company? <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Now, the last part I wanted to talk about is there was what if stories that actually turned into Marvel Comics or influenced the MCU in some way. So the first one was one of the early issues. What if Hulk had the brain of Bruce Banner? We see that. Like, we see that with Professor Hulk later in the comics, and then we see it in Avengers Endgame, right? We even kind of see it with Mr. Fix-It. Yeah, yeah. But he's like a mob. Oh, my God. What a weird run of comics. Sometimes he turns into a gray Hulk that's like mobbed up. Like, yeah, wears a big ass suit, pinstripe suit, and a fucking fedora. So <laughs> weird. Uh, what if Jane Foster had the hammer of Thor? Right, and she that, is currently Thor in the comics yep. now, and uh, the old Thor goes by Odinson now. What if Spider-Man's clone had lived? Like, which they, he did. 
Yeah. So like that had been the story in the early 80s. And so they did that. What if? And it was so popular. They came up with that idea in the 90s to make that that maximum clonage arc. That was like, I don't know, a thousand issues. Jesus Christ. It went on forever. And now Ben Riley's just back, isn't he? Uh, Or or I think they said he's coming back. So there was another the original clone. They're teasing the return of Ben Riley. So Ben Riley was the second clone. Okay, And the original clone was named Kane. And at some point, Ben Riley got like he disintegrated at the end of the Maximum Clonage story and Kane survived. And then at some point, Kane got re- reborn kind of like genetically. It's a long story. It's in the Spider Island story. Mm-hmm. And he just took on the name Ben Riley as a tribute to the old Ben Riley because he realized like he showed him the good that. So he which clone done. is the. Is it the jackal? The jackal was the one that cloned them all. Yeah, this is the original. He's no, the, the jackal. It, the, the jackal was a geneticist who was one of Peter Parker's teacher who like <laughs> cloned Gwen Stacy, and then Spider Man went to stop him, and then he's cloned Spider Man. Where does Pepe Silvia fit in all this? <laughs> how many of Spider Man's teachers them. wound up becoming? Oh, two. Villains. I think. I think two. There's Kurt Connors who yes. became the lizard, and then this guy. And I'm pretty sure he, like, Mobius and uh, Doc Ock. <laughs> At least in the movies, the Doc Ock is, like, his mentor a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not in the it's comics. Funny, but, but, yeah. It's yeah. Like, even, like, into the Spider-Verse, like, he has, Dr. Octavius was, like. He has, like, these connections. It's, but it's purely coincidental. <laughs> like, oh, it just happens to be his teacher at this, the same, a teacher at the same school where this kid got bitten by a spider. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then there was what if Spider-Man and Mary Jane's child had survived? So during that maximum clonage thing, Mary Jane had a miscarriage. But they did this what if story where they actually raised the kid. Peter loses his leg in an accident, like being Spider-Man. And so he just raises her. And then when she turns 16, she gets the powers. Her name's May Parker. Like he names her after his aunt. Mm. And uh, she winds up being Spider-Girl. And then it was so popular for so many years that they made a Spider Girl comic that ran like well over a hundred issues. I mean, I was got it a bunch the same character? or Was it a different person? It was just running in that timeline. It oh, just okay. literally took where What If ended and oh, just wow. kept running off of it. And she is also in the uh, end of the Spider Verse storyline, like in the comic books. So she's one of the many, 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 many spider people that show up in it um and then the final thing i had here is what if spider-man had not married mary jane and we know we know what happens there mephisto wins mephisto always wins i didn't read the story but i kind of read the story later (laughs) yeah i was thinking you got me thinking about two other things that are kind of similar one of them is the marvel dc crossover series amalgam yeah where they combined Marvel and DC characters and you got like Dark Claw which was Wolverine and Batman and then his sidekick was Robin mixed with Jubilee and it was just an interesting like Sabretooth mixed crossed with Joker pretty well to make Hyena and uh, they combined I think Superman and Captain America blech. Um, and I think they combined Storm with Wonder Woman which is really fucking they cool. They did Batman with Wolverine They I called her Amazon that. I think and she was like a cross between... Uh, There were some really cool things. For the second segment, I wanted to talk about MacGuffins. 
and see if we could figure out what the best MacGuffin is in Hollywood history. I want to start with the definition because when I was looking up MacGuffins on the internet, it seems like a lot of people don't understand what MacGuffins actually are. They get halfway there, but they don't quite get all the way there. So they call things MacGuffins that are not MacGuffins. So according to Merriam-Webster, an object, event, or character in a film or story that serves to set up and keep the plot in motion despite usually lacking intrinsic importance. Okay, so an example of a MacGuffin, which is one of the first things that I'll bring up is like the Holy Grail, just all throughout literature, for example. Yeah. People are always questing for the Grail, but the point... We already the got story, one, you know. right? The point of the story isn't the grail. The point of the story is what they learn on the journey to get the grail. So the grail is like your classic MacGuffin. It became popular in pop culture when Alfred Hitchcock would use it all the time. And he coined the term. Yes. He borrowed it from an old shaggy dog story in which some passengers on a train interrogate a fellow passenger carrying a large, strange-looking package. The fellow says the package contains a MacGuffin, which he explains is used to catch tigers in the Scottish Highlands. When the group protests there are no tigers in the Highlands, the passenger replies, well, then this may not be a MacGuffin. Hitchcock apparently appreciated the way the mysterious package holds the audience's attention and builds suspense. He recognized that an audience anticipating a solution to a mystery will continue to follow of the story, even if initial interest grabber turns out to be irrelevant. So I have some MacGuffins listed. You guys feel free to call out some if you can think of some and we'll legislate whether it's a MacGuffin or not. Sometimes like when you think it out, it's not necessarily a MacGuffin, but it seems like it would be, for example, the Infinity Gauntlet is not a MacGuffin because it's actually very, very important to those movies because it blanks out half the population and murders all these people. Like it's actually it actually crucial a- affects to the, story. the yeah. plot of the story. Like it is intrinsic to the story. You can't pull the Infinity Gauntlet out and still have that story work. Like there's no way to just murder half the universe suddenly unless you have this big magical thing. So the first example I have is the Holy Grail and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Right. Like they go to get the grail. It's actually a father son story. In the end, they lose the grail. The grail wasn't really important. It just moved along the plot. But it was the father son story and how there was a distance between them and learning to appreciate each other. I mean, even Monty Python, the Holy Grail is. They never find it. No. (laughs) They see a a beacon. beacon. (laughs) That's the closest they get. The grail shaped beacon. (laughs) <laughs> so that's one. Uh, oh, yes, we have one. It's uh, very nice. <laughs> so I'm going to hit all the Indiana Jones first because it's the What most... about all the Holy Grails? Okay, what other ones do you want to bring up? my favorite Holy Grail movie is The Fisher King. Oh, yeah. The Fisher Not really important, but they use it to move along the plot, right? Like that's Robin Williams' whole thing as he's looking it's for the Holy fixation, Grail. Yeah. And it's uh, not even really a Grail. It's just a a replica of a grail that some nut bar had in his like castle looking apartment yeah. <laughs> and there's the the da vinci code oh yeah because they're looking for the holy grail in that and that's a person right that winds up being a person yeah mary magdalene is so does that count grail. as a MacGuffin? then i would say yes it, i mean they're not really looking at they're trying to solve this mystery but it involves the holy grail like so it's not ne- – they don't necessarily need that. Well, the twist but. is that she is the 
she blood is the whole line of the bloodline of Jesus Christ, which I think has some major revelations for Christianity yeah. as a whole. But I think that the script is more about lacing holes into Christianity than it is about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. than it is about recovering these that thing. And their bad storytelling, <laughs> yeah, or good storytelling, but like not truthful, right? Yeah. Like very good stories captured millions of people's imaginations, probably billions. <laughs> uh, the Ark of the Covenant—that's yeah. definitely. They're chasing after it the whole time. In the end, what does it do? It melts some Nazis, but like, you know, they were going to lose anyway. The U.S. has got it. They still lose Vietnam. So it's not like it always works and like the the army always is victorious with the It covenant. would be interesting to see like a brief montage of the U.S. army attempting to weaponize the, the arc and failing. Yeah. Just like a bunch of failed attempts at different wars for them to like like they open it and then they die or something. <laughs> I would like send it to Hitler as a gift. I mean, <laughs> nobody can look upon it, right? It's not like yeah, only yeah. certain people can look at it. So like it's it's a pretty bad weapon. I, except if you just if you know to close your eyes, you're set. And if what what is what happens if it's open in an empty room? Like does it only make all the wind and fury and chaos if... what if a robot opens it well it closes it itself have a... right what if we used like a bomb yeah fusing robot and we're like and opened it from behind like a wall and we well, saw just... the the open cover our... i think i'll tell you what through happens through a camera that like red thing shoots into the camera and then like shoots into the person watching the screen and they melt. <laughs> That's what happens. So what you would want to do is you can't you would, observe it. This is what open. you would do is you would put the arc into a sealed room with a camera pointing and a cat. No <laughs> camera. You need to observe. The, no, but the, uh, you, the you end up with Schrodinger's the, cat. No, the inside of the—that's true. But the <laughs> inside of the room does need to be observable because then you go to Germany and you like just like plug into their national news broadcast. Everybody in Germany, we got a special news thing to watch. Yeah, now and then in. they turn on their TVs and you just turn on the feed of the arc the open arc and then everybody in germany dies through their television i'm pretty sure that's called one america news network that's <laughs> i wish it would work faster then because all the people watching it are melting way too slow yeah. it's not quite but as they weaponized all kind as of, we were hoping i do think if you look at the average one america news network viewer they probably do look like they are in the process of decomposition <laughs> Sankara stones. I don't think it's ever explained what the fuck they actually are or what they really do. We just know this village isn't doing well without its Sankara stone. Yeah. And it the stones are actually important, though, right? Like the village is dying because they're not there. Yeah. So or they say. That, so they say. Like, just who knows? Saying. Well, I mean, it did. The stone did prevent a man from dying after his heart was removed from his chest. He, Possibly. He was still alive. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some dark magic going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The magic exists in the this world. So the stones probably do work. Yeah. 
because they're magic. And, and they I just don't know what they do for it, so I wouldn't put it at the top of the list. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Of what we mentioned so far, the Grail, the Ark, and the Sakara Stone, I'm probably going the Grail just because yeah. Everlasting yeah. Life. That's Plus, that's the best movie. Yeah, and you're going to get some kind of cool arc as you fail to get the Grail. So, hey. The Grail. The Grail. <laughs> You see a grill. <laughs> the crystal skull. I guess yeah, that unlocks sure. where some aliens are sleeping. Is yeah. that what it does? Dimensional aliens, interdimensional yeah. aliens. They're like a yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> it's fine. It's no honestly, crystal skull is no worse than Temple of Doom. They're fine. It's fine. I like Temple we of just, Doom better. You know what? Okay, this is the thing about the, I don't I don't hate the thing it. about I Crystal Skull. You know like what's the biggest problem with Crystal Skull? The biggest problem? Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. He's yeah. the biggest problem. Because when you look at everybody else that's in that movie, it's like John Hurt, that guy kicks ass. Yeah. Kate Blanchett, is that who it is, right? As like yes, the, she's the, great the too. Soviet. Yeah, she's yeah. great in that movie. Yeah, the she performances great. Are, are not the issues, but there is little things like the Tarzan yell when they're swinging. It's, and guess the who line. that is? That's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. It's all <laughs> it's all Mutt's fault. And the refrigerator Mutt, thing is pretty dumb. I think that, that is classic Indiana Jones, though. It's ridiculous, did you but know it that works that was, for me. That scene works for did me. Did you know dude. that was supposed to be in Back to the Future originally? It was originally written into the first script for Back to the Future. Hiding in the fridge? Marty winds up in a lead-lined fridge during a, a nuclear explosion by Mexico, and then he goes back in time. And then they, like, completely rewrote the script and decided to make it a time machine, eventually falling on a DeLorean because they wanted it to be something that looked futuristic, but also that the audience could covet and he was like well a car that's a thing that people covet so like we'll make it a car for time traveling but Spielberg just held on to it and then introduced it and I had always heard it was George Lucas that pushed for that but apparently that one was Spielberg's fault and I think it works honestly I mean it's nonsense it's nonsense (laughs) but this is a world where magic exists and God is real yeah. And freaking the grail is real. So if that shit can be real, then you can whatever. Yeah. It's Who just cares? my it's, God I stepped will never... in and it, it, divine intervention saved him in that. We could just say. He still has some he of that grail juice. By, he is touched by God. Let, Indiana Jones is a blessed man. And let me be He's real like about Saint, this. I don't hate Kingdom of the Crystal Saint School. Indiana. It's just it's the Indiana Jones that I watched once and I was like, I'm done. I, <laughs> no, and I, I don't, still enjoy watching the other three. I'm Yeah, my whole argument is not that it's good, just that it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's no worse than the worst Indiana Jones. Well, it is the worst <laughs> Indiana Jones. But you know, well, yeah. but people don't even count it as an Indiana Jones. No, that's so ridiculous. That's why I say. That's ridiculous. That's why I say it's no worse than the worst Indiana Jones. The second I start hearing, like, you need Nazis, I'm like, shut up. (laughs) I don't need to hear that. I don't need Nazis, Yeah, Nazis never need... People were, like, getting hyped up for the new one, you know, because there's another Indiana Jones coming. And they're like, we might get space Nazis. And I, and of course, I just go in and I'm like, I don't know why it feels weird to be hyped about Nazis. And he's like, that's no, it's the fact that they're in space, though. I'm like, but they're still Nazis. They're <laughs> still getting excited about seeing Nazis on screen, but they're getting punched in the face. Yeah, still, <laughs> you're still getting excited about Nazis. <laughs> That's that weird. seems like an oversimplification, that's just but yes. weird. Did you scream at him, he's banished? No, that's King Lear. 
<laughs> okay. You <laughs> say that to I your, thought it was the way you said it. You say that made to me your, think maybe you're going to no, scream you say your that to your daughter when she tries to overthrow your kingdom. Okay. All right, got and it. And your if your kingdom is a chicken farm <laughs> and you're a shame-based man. Right. <laughs> Bruce McCullough. The Tesseract is a MacGuffin. It doesn't really matter. It does some stuff, but that's not really the point of Captain America First Avenger. Correct? Like the point is, is it's this guy who wants to help and become a hero. And then he does get to be a hero and he's got an unrequited love story. Right. But that's the Tesseract is just the thing they're going after as well as the Red Skull, I guess. So the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. I knew you were getting there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. What is in that briefcase? It's Marcellus Wallace's soul. Uh, It's a it's a light bulb and a (laughs) certificate of authenticity. That is fake. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the first part. I'd never heard the second part. Thanks, uh, community. Yeah, it's the community. Okay, I did hear it and forgot. Reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so far, just so we can whittle down here, is the Grail still winning? Got the Grail, the art. I kind of like the briefcase. The, the briefcase. pretty good. It is the I, safe. I feel, I feel like it, it is it, the safest to keep in your house, most likely. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want to hang out. I mean, even if you had, like, a beacon, that you still attract crazy people. And Jules is walking the earth. We don't have to worry about him shooting us in the face. So You know what's a good uh, MacGuffin is the poster in Shawshank Redemption. They're not searching for the poster, though. It's just it's a It's the prop. name of the short story. It, well, the name of the short story is Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Rita Hayworth is the poster. Yes. One of four or five posters they have. And he has to changes, acquire. He has she changes to, over the time because it takes place over like he has to talk to Red. Yeah. He has to talk to Red to get the poster. Yeah. That is true. He has to quest for the poster. <laughs> I don't know that he quests. It's a quest. <laughs> okay, maybe it's a side quest. I think the rock hammer <laughs> is more the issue. That's the poster the was quest. never the issue. The poster's the side quest. Right. The The rock hammer was like <laughs> the MacGuffin. Okay, now that, I want maybe. somebody to make like a... Uh, a Red Dead Redemption style Shawshank Redemption game. <laughs> Side quest. Acquire the poster of Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Sub quest. Like, don't be fresh fish. <laughs> yeah. Don't get raped by the sisters. Oh, God. Yeah. What an awful game that would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one. The rug and the big Lebowski. Yeah. Okay. Because so, it like sets a lot one. of stuff in motion, but it's I not like that one. critical to the story. It doesn't yeah. matter. It just ties the room together. That's all it does. <laughs> and the only and the reason rug- he's going after it is because Walter insists that he go after it because it ties the room together. <laughs> <laughs> The rug gets stolen, It's right? a good rug. It gets peed on. Peed, but it doesn't get stolen. So he's just trying to get a replacement rug. Yeah. And then he steals a rug after. Yes. And then he gets called into like a whole murder thing. <laughs> so is that a MacGuffin or is that just an inciting It's a MacGuffin because it moves, the, it moves the plot forward. MacGuffins don't have to be present throughout the entire movie. But it's definitely the inciting incident is the rug. That's and an, it all is, it has to be is it just... Is, the first it, act for sure. So it doesn't have to move the plot along continuously. It only has to move the plot along. Right. Because the plot's already in motion at this point. So like, yeah, it like, gets the plot into Bunny's motion. Bunny's already, quote, had a plan for kidnapping. So like, yeah, all this stuff's in motion. It just I wish we, we could pick have seen up with her the movie. 
Yeah. I to, wish. There was no way that was ever getting made. It should have. Tara Reid was going to direct it. But she was a so. A movie about Bunny. She, she was so yeah. on drugs. There was they no way that was board. ever happening. They said make it. They we said go ahead it. and make it. But there's no way no, it was happening. They said we want to see I know they did. Movie. Yeah. I mean, everybody just, wants to see that, but. It's like watching an ambulance crash. Who wouldn't want to see that movie? (laughs) Dude, she hardly holds it together on screen in Sharknado movies. There was no way she was making that movie. (laughs) Whatever. I would love to see it too. I'm just saying. All right. This might be a a rash statement, but I think we should give Britney Spears conservatorship to Tara Reid. I'm not going to – no. I think Tara no. Reid needs an IUD forcefully. <laughs> Jesus. I'm wow, just kidding. This guy no, I'm a big re- fan of Tara Reid. I like her a lot. She dated the soup Nazi in a Scrubs, so that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tara Reid's great. I feel for her. I hope she's doing good out there. Rosebud. Boo. Uh, I I mean, it's a pretty big one. Yeah. They're, they're trying to figure out what the sled is to figure out this man's whole life. And they even tell you at it's the end. It's a good example. I just am They sick even of tell you movie. at the <laughs> end. They literally tell you at the end. You can't, ah, you can't sum up somebody's life off of one object or one story. Like a life is a collection of a lot of things. So Rosebud's like you gotta have the a thing. quintessential. And the thing is a sled and the sled is here and this is where it's going. <laughs> yeah, they talk to... exactly like they're in a newspaper. Trying to do that. It's hard. <laughs> Actually, they kind of do it parts because they are literally. There are in the sections paper. where they are yeah. fast talking each other. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love it. that's that's all I'm there for with that movie is those scenes when they're just silhouettes in the newsroom and you can't actually see anybody's face and they're just like, no, see what you got to do here now. And I can't do it. Yeah. Like I can't just riff on it. It's too hard. That's for me, I, yeah. I, I do that. I, I do the same voice it. for like fake propaganda films where it's just like our boys in blue are in the march. But like, you have to know what you're saying. Cause it's too yeah. fast. The guy I like a good example is in, uh, the guy in the, that runs the elevator in um Hudsucker Hudsucker proxy he's like say buddy (laughs) okay the cd-rom and burn after reading yeah there are certain people that just continually show up over and over again and these aren't there what do you mean because the money in uh in the um no country for old men is kind of a MacGuffin as well yeah that is like it seems like the coen brothers are money good at using money like good at it's a it's a chunk of money usually is like ends up a MacGuffin like fargo for instance because they have the bag full of money like and then he buries it with the snow scraper and it's never recovered unless you watch season one of fargo yeah so i mean like that so the coen brothers clearly like to use MacGuffins. yeah yeah, and, and they do it well because, like, there are people that do it well, and there's and then when it's not done well, it's just kind of a joke, right? Here's another good one where it's cash, like we were just talking about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Like, it's like what forty thousand dollars that the woman steals at the beginning, and they have this whole arc with her in the first part of the movie, and it's all just there to like have her get murdered by <laughs> now by Norman Bates, and then it just hands off to Norman Bates. Like it's a yeah. MacGuffin because she takes it and people are after it and you think people are going to be after her for that. And like none of that fucking matters because she's murdered in a motel. Yeah. What was that movie you watched with uh, are Sean Penn? only and... objects or can they be people? They can be people as well. Yeah. Like the Golden Child. Yeah. Golden Child's a MacGuffin. 
Yeah. But well, I was thinking joint. the baby in uh, Willow. Is that a MacGuffin? Yeah, I think so. What about so. the baby in uh, Labyrinth? Nah, that's the little brother. I feel like the little brother is essential. <laughs> it's her little brother. You know what I but mean? But the whole thing but is. But yeah, it's kind of a, the MacGuffin. Yeah, is yeah. that kid. He wound up being insignificant by the end. Like he, it didn't, the whole journey wasn't even really about the little brother. It was about her. Uh, the Colonel in Apocalypse Now. Awakening. Yeah. Uh, Brando. Uh, Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, the he's searching after him the whole time. Operation Dumbo Drop. I I don't remember that one. So I saw about, it in the 80s. <laughs> how about the uh, the groom in the Hangover movie? Yeah. 100%. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is he missing? Yep. Yeah, he's in okay. the first two movies, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, because he's hanging out on the roof the whole time the and they're trying to, like. In Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Dude, where is your I think car? That might be my favorite one. <laughs> the Genesis device in Star Trek 2. Yeah. Boo. Only in Star Trek 2. It matters in Star Trek 3. In Star Trek 2, it doesn't <laughs> matter, it doesn't do anything. But uh, but Khan wants it. Yeah, Khan wants it. So they're gonna Con. get in a fight. Actually, it's Khan. I was thinking Con. about the new time it was said. Are you talking about like Jerry Seinfeld yelling it? No, I was talking about uh, Spock saying it. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> the Abrams verse. <laughs> Uh, the loom of fate and wanted they have a literal loom that puts out targets to kill that I guess is important I only vaguely remember that movie but I remember liking it it's been it the thing is that the the loom of fate does work but it's been co-opted because the people that are running it get corrupt and then their own names come up and instead of killing themselves like they're supposed to they just start making up their own names and becoming evil like criminals themselves and then the guy that the main dude is james mcavoy's character is supposed to is been brought in to kill uh who supposedly killed his father is actually his father and is trying to take them down because he learned the truth and then he let angelina jolie finds out and she curves that bullet into a circle and kills all of them with one dumb Spiral bullet, that movie. Yeah, that's awful. The I keyboard scene was pretty cool. Though, the Legion where he of, hits yeah. the boss in the face of the keyboard and the keys fly off and spell fuck you. I did like that. So the Luma Fate is one thing that does show up quite a bit as a MacGuffin. Yeah. Kind of like the Spear of Destiny. Yeah. Like There's that so one many shows up quite a bit. Destiny. All right. What about Mother Boxes? Like we've had two versions of a movie, <laughs> seven like, and a really half well. hours. I still don't understand what the fuck Mother Boxes do. They yeah. do what movies. the plot needs it to do at any given yeah, time. Yeah, like I get it in the comic book. <laughs> you know, those I don't think never we can count it. those as MacGuffins because – They're chasing them down. No, this is the thing though is that Zack Snyder is so bad at, at implementing even the most basic story elements. <laughs> <laughs> he gets MacGuffins wrong. He gets this MacGuffin wrong. He's just what? Why have we been propping him up for so long? Yeah, it's funny. He really we... likes high definition slow motion. That's why. <laughs> so basically, the same argument puts the Infinity Gauntlet out, but the Mother Boxes. The Mother? No, the Infinity Gauntlet's out. The yeah. Mother Boxes are also out. Yeah. Okay. Infinity Gauntlet's out, right? Yeah, Infinity Gauntlet and is out. Yeah, it's the mother boxes. The he mother may boxes not explain. aren't the thing you're worried about. It's like the aliens that it's calling. But the mother right? boxes yeah. are the only way that they are a direct threat. 
and because otherwise they, they don't really explain that because otherwise they, are they have to threat. like fly there and it take a thousand years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I Instead, guess. Instead, they're just teleporting. Is that what it is? Is that what they it's do? It's a teleporter. It's a. It's a. It's a. <laughs> when that part of the exposition it needs it to be, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is Zack Snyder again? He's bad. At, if he had been able to just concisely explain what the mother boxes were. Then they wouldn't be a MacGuffin because we would understand. But he's bad at explaining what they are. So just because of his poor <laughs> communication skills, <laughs> it's not because it's act the mother boxes aren't actually important. It's because he is unable to convey the importance concisely. Okay. Do you guys have any other MacGuffins to add? We went through my list. The One Ring. Yeah. What does that uh, actually fucking well, do? Yeah. It turns it's you hard. invisible. And if and, Sauron gets by it. By the way, that's the one I don't want 100%. You're right. It's a MacGuffin. I don't want that one. I wouldn't even consider it because I don't need a thing that constantly is like, why would you want something that lets something like Sauron be able to see you no matter where you are? Yeah, dude. It's what, like, sure, what about nothing when you're else taking can a see shit? me. Nothing else can see me, but the one thing I really don't want to be able to see me can see me. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, is now staring directly at me. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. No thanks. Yeah, that's not a good one. What about the battle plans for the Death Star? So th- this is one of the examples I was listing about. George Lucas claims bring- that R2-D2 was the MacGuffin of Star Wars. But they're not questing after Yeah, R2, kind of. But- he kind of – well, he does – he does keep it in motion, right? Like at the beginning, R2 escapes the, that I mean, they're going after. The... It doesn't matter though. They're going after the droids. Then Luke loses the droids. He's going after the droids again. R2-D2 is the thing that sparks Ben Kenobi into to motion. But ultimately, R2 is not really important. Ultimately, the plans are <clears throat> what are important. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's why I was saying the, pl- that's yeah. what the makes plans our, are. And that's well, why that's the... what makes R2 the MacGuffin because the MacGuffin is the unimportant thing. Yes. And the plans are actually important. Yes, the plans R2 are important, is not important because that Death Star fucking takes out an entire planet and is going to destroy the Rebel base. And, and they're the able plans, to stop they it don't because know about of the plans. The hat. They don't know about the vent without the plans. Yes. So that is where the internet absolutely gets it wrong. This is specifically what I was thinking of when I was reading the internet not understanding what a MacGuffin is, but, but you know writing did, it in anyway. Wikipedia was where I got that bit about George Lucas. I didn't know that off the that's, top of my I, head. I didn't either, but that was fucking, that's perfect. Because yeah, Wikipedia got it right, right is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. The Death Star plans, not so much. And yes, he houses the plans, but that's not the point. But that's what makes him the MacGuffin <laughs> is that they're searching for him and then he's not what they actually want. Yeah. He spurs everything into action. He so, even like C-3PO is wait, content just wandering element? off in the desert. And R2-D2 is like, no, I have to go t- this direction to find Obi-Wan. Nah, even I guess then. the stones do the, – the stones in uh, Fifth Element are not a MacGuffin because they are ultimately required okay. to – disperse the evil force at the end they have to put the stones in the platforms and blow on them and drop the matches on them and whatnot um i think the key in tales from the crypt demon knight is probably a MacGuffin. yeah because the one with the blood yes yes it will bring about the apocalypse allegedly if you don't protect it or whatever but then also like we don't see the fallout from that and ultimately he's just got to kill him right like it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> got to kill the demon i think i figured out my favorite one yeah. I, I think I found my favorite one. What's that? The Starship Heart of Gold. 
in Hitchhiker's Guide <laughs> to the Galaxy. Everybody is chasing it, and the fact that everyone's chasing it moves the plot forward significantly in many different ways, but it doesn't actually... That's not the plot of the There movie. is no plot. <laughs> so cleverly, <laughs> everything in that movie... Towels are MacGuffins in that fucking, mo- that fucking book. Dude, Dude, Tally is a MacGuffin in an episode of uh, South Park. Like, the government's trying to use him to turn him into a weapon. But along the way, the kids learn a valuable lesson. And they even tell you, I learned something today. (laughs) And they used to do that a lot more often back in the old days, didn't they? Every episode. It was another running joke like Kenny dying. I'm glad that it went away. That's that's that, it hasn't that, completely gone away. They go back well, to it sometimes. The fact that it's less frequent, frequent yeah, yeah, is good. That's good. It should be like once a week, not once a episode. That's too much. All right. Any other MacGuffins? Your face. What movie? So is your face. <laughs> face off. Your faces and face off. <laughs> uh, yeah, kinda. <laughs> I'm searching for your face. He's searching for my face. We're searching for faces, but ultimately it doesn't matter because my we face both suck off. <laughs> I, they need to make more movies where they just come up with a pun for a title and then just write a movie. Yeah, based off it of is. That but pun I remember, dude. It was that had to be how that movie. It came was about. over a decade before I realized because I never saw it that Face Off was about a literal face being off. I just assumed it was like two people fighting. They did not know. How, how did they not get a Face Off too? They they just had to kill him off, didn't they? They need to bring a third person in. I heard that they were actually trying to make a face-off, too. But surprise, surprise, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage were so unhinged they couldn't get it together. (laughs) You know, uh, speaking along those lines, you know, there's going to be a third uh, Twins movie or a a sequel to Twins. Right. With Eddie Murphy. We'll see if it actually happens. I think it's in production. They've been saying that for a long time, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any notice of it like being made. And I heard Eddie Murphy in an interview a while ago, and it sounds like he's probably not going to make any more movies. Eddie Murphy just kind of put stuff out, though. He days. did, and then he just stopped. Like Dolomite just came out. It did. That was part of the but comeback. But I'm saying there was no, like, it just came out, you know? There, it's not like we were hearing about it from oh, the moment it no, went no. into Brandon, pre-production. Yeah. Brandon, how long, how many years was I talking about that? Yeah, it was a while. Dolomite? Yeah. I, yeah. Dude, I, I watched Dolomite know. when I was a kid. I loved Dolomite. You just learned about the Dolomite Eddie Murphy movie just now when I was just talking about it. I fucking reviewed it. There's a <laughs> fucking review of it right when it came out. That's not canon anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Put it back. Back in the cannon, baby. <laughs> all right, we need to pick a MacGuffin of all the choices. I picked mine. Which one is the that? The Starship Heart of Gold with the improbability engine. What does it do? Uh, it's the spaceship. All right, I'm not... it travels through time by time. At... No, it travels Improbabil- through space. Space. Yeah, it has the improbability drive, and it uses it. It's like and when uh, and Zephod Beeblebrox becomes president of the galaxy so that he can steal it. And then after he steals it, he's being chased by everybody in the galaxy because they want it back from him. Um, I'm going to pick Rosebud because I've always wanted a fancy, nice sled. <laughs> like <laughs> that kind of that 
with the metal runners and yeah yeah like your classic style toboggan i like the idea of that and also like the idea that it represents my childhood (laughs) i'm gonna go with the uh classic maltese falcon okay yeah that's one that is like maybe the biggest example of a mcguffin yeah because like it's it's about people so like talking the entire movie they're like it really doesn't have anything to do with the Maltese Falcon. So, uh, you know what? It's There's not also the, the original, but it is the OG. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also the treasure of Sierra Madre. Yeah. Like the treasure is literally a MacGuffin because when another Humphrey Bogart movie. Another when, cash MacGuffin. Yeah. When basically. he when he gets the gold, it blows away in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a fucking son of a bitch in that movie. He's just awful. And he treats everybody like garbage. And then when he finally gets what he wants at the end, he loses it. And he gets murdered, which is even better. Because he's you can't root for that guy in that movie. Like I never wanted to. Yeah, good. Because I would question you. If you Humphrey did. Bogart. Fuck that guy. All right, so we'll be back live next week. <laughs> Might even have a couple of bits about Comic Con. So take I it will. easy. Bye. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Subscribe to all the podcasts on our network. Season 3 of Movies with Wrestlers has Eric and Connor answering the question on everyone's mind. Who's better, The Rock or John Cena? Every week, a cosmic void has Jeremiah and Biggs deconstructing influential movies. Not Safe for Network examines the zeitgeist through rabbit holes, deep dives, interviews, and pop culture battles weekly. And if you need some classic TV talk, catch up on the previous three seasons of In Syndication.